this little rock or, or, or pebble reminds me of something that you and I are a little bit more familiar with than, than we care to think about or realize. Back in the 70s, there was a TV show called Kung Fu. I don't know, were any of y'all familiar with the TV show Kung Fu back in the 70s? Like, they, there was a, the, the main guy, his name was Master Khan, and I say main guy because he was the Kung Fu master. And then there was the, there was the, the other guy, and he was the grasshopper. Do y'all remember him? And there was a statement that was made within like the first few minutes of that program that, that actually immortalized itself in uh, pop culture for eternity. And it was the term, uh, or it was the phrase, uh, snatch the, do y'all remember it? Snatch the pebble from my hand. And, and, and so what they had to do is like Master would put the pebble in his hand and he would close it. But Grasshopper would have to like go on and snatch it. It would have to get it before, before, he could, uh, before he could move on to the next thing and before he could elevate himself a little bit more in, in the Kung Fu ways. Uh, I don't practice Kung Fu, but the more I thought about it, in some sort of way, uh, that pebble and, and it being in my hand and being snatched, I'm, I'm remarkably more familiar with that than I even think of. And, and you are too. Like It was the summer between... My, fresh, my, my freshman year of college and like when I just graduated high school. And for whatever reason, like I, I felt like there was this, this pebble in my hand. And, and you could fill in the blank. You could say it was, you could say it was money. I, I remember as a teenager, and, and for those of you that have been teenagers recently, then you, then you remember, like I just couldn't wait to get my license, right? We couldn't wait till we could drive. We couldn't wait until I get, get my own car or I get to borrow my parents. Hey, can I take the car out today or whatever? And like, you just could not wait. And then your parents normally would say, man, I'm so glad that you're driving, but could you, you might want to get a job. Why? Why? Oh, oh, just so you could pay a little bit of gas money. And like, all of a sudden you, you felt like that freedom was being snatched out of your hand. Oh, I mean, but then you'd get to keep the rest of the money and use it however you want to. And you're like, well, that's great. I could do that. And then, hey, actually, could you help us pay a little bit, like, for your cell phone? And maybe a little bit of your car insurance? And maybe a little bit of, and, like, before you know it, like, you feel like everything's being snatched out of your hand financially. And, like, I felt like that. We got our taxes done one year. And and our tax guy, like, I'm a minister, obviously, and... (laughs) I'm on the stage, and uh, the way ministers work, uh, if you're ordained, you're self-employed, and like, so your taxes are just crazy. If you're self-employed, you know what I'm talking about, and so I get someone else to do it for me because I have no clue how to do this paperwork stuff, and, and there was one time, like, he, he said, you're going to get so much money back. Have y'all ever been there, your tax person, or you're doing the calculations yourself, and you know, I'm going to get so much money back, and then all of a sudden, I forgot, to, I forgot to claim something, I forgot to report something on there, and then all of a sudden... Snatched out of your hand. And, and it was also between that, 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 that year that, um, that I felt like my relationships were snatched. My relationships were gone. My friendships were gone. I, I was no longer friends with all the people that I, I thought that I was friends with in high school. And everything started to shift and everything started to change. And, 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 and in, in some sort of weird way, I felt like of, as a teenager, all these things, that there was this, there was this God. And, and I had gone to church most of my life, and, and so I was familiar with God and acquainted with God, and I felt like there was this God who was looking from heaven, who was this sadistic, cosmic killjoy with his thumb on me, and every time I got something in my hand, he would snatch it out of my hand. 
And every time I had some fun, he would snatch it away. And every time I had some money, he would snatch it away. And in the same way, I remember I'd been dating this girl for a long time, right? Like, it was the summer between, again, the summer between my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college. And I'd been dating this girl for a long, long time. And we, I had it all mapped out. Like, I don't know if she did, but I had it all mapped out. Like, you know, we were going to date this long, and we were going to get married, and then we are going to have two and a half kids, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And these were their names, and this is my 401K, and blah, blah, blah. And I had everything planned out. And then all of a sudden, one day, out of the blue, she looks at me, and she says, you know, you know that thing uh, where I was never going to give you up, was never going to let you down, was never going to hurt you? <laughs> she rickrolled me, and she said, I'm... I'm we, we've dated a whole month, and I, I'm going I'm to give you up. I'm going to let you down, and my, I'm going to hurt you. And, like, I was cr- All of a sudden, I felt like, again, because, like, and we talked about this, we, in, in youth, the last few, the last few uh, Wednesday nights, we were talking to students as, as couples who'd been dating or, or engaged or married for a while, and we were imparting to them some of the wisdom that we've learned from, from the Father in this time, and, and we were sharing with them that... Um, we are sharing with them uh, that there are sometimes when you're in high school and maybe even as an adult, like you pray, oh Lord, please let this person be my husband. Please let this person be my wife. Please let this work out, blah, blah, blah. And like all of a sudden I felt like that was snatched away. And I'm like, God, what are you doing to me? And so I did what any good young man would do with respect. I broke down crying and I drove into the, to the parking lot of the, the public library near our house. Uh, around 8 o'clock that night, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to call, and so I called my friend Manny. Uh, he's, he's a manager at Sears in Biloxi, so if you ever need something from Sears, go see Manny. Tell him James Reardon sent you. So anyway, so I called Manny up. I didn't know who else to call, and I said, Manny, what do I do? Like, I feel like my whole life, like, I, I, I just feel like I'm existing now. I feel like everything's been snatched away from me, and, and there's, like, I, I, I'm not, I can't even breathe. I feel hopeless. What do I do? And he said, well, James, uh, I'm, I'm, let me tell you a story about what I told my grandpa. And the thing that I told my grandpa, I think, is going to help you out. And in the, in, the, in the same way, the thing that he told his grandpa, when his grandpa was, his, his, his health was ailing, his life was in shambles, it was a man who used to have everything together and everything was great. He was living a full, vibrant life. And then all of a sudden, it was like his health went away. It was snatched from him, and everything crumbled. And what he told me that he said to his grandpa changed the trajectory of my life forever. And, and you know what? I bet some of you find yourselves there this morning. I bet we find ourselves there in different ways. It might be financially, and may, maybe it's all these medical bills that keep coming through, or health insurance. You know, health insurance isn't the way it used to be, Right? It's one of the big platforms now for the presidential race, healthcare. And, it's, and so you're like, well, you know, I'm just paying so much in and like I, I still have to like pay so much money on bills. And then maybe some of you are like, I don't even have health insurance. And so like you're just paying all sorts of money out of pocket or you're paying all this money to the IRS or the Social Security Administration. I know that all too well. And like you're just thinking I'm paying all this money and all this financial stuff is just being snatched from my, from my fingertips. For some of you, it's like relationships, and you're like, you know, I've had a relationship, or I've, I've been in this, this thing recently, or, or like my, my kid or my, my grandkid came to me, or relatives came to me and shot me a text message or called me up and said, yeah, I just don't want to talk to you anymore. 
please don't call me. The please don't email me. Like, I don't believe in you. I don't believe in your God. I don't want to be with you anymore. And like, you just feel helpless inside. And, and, and for some of you sitting in there, you just feel like your life has been snatched away from you for some strange reason. Like it's just one thing after another, after another, after another. And you, like, you feel as if your very life has been snatched away from you, don't you? And you're like, what am I going to do? Because deep down inside, I feel empty. I feel like there's a hole. And, 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 and yeah, I pray to God and, and, and it just seems like everything just keeps getting snatched away because he doesn't want me to live a good life. And so we start to shy away from God because we, start to th- we, we think, well, maybe God's this cosmic killjoy who's just in heaven or over the universe or wherever he is and he's just waiting for something good to happen to you and then he snatches it from you. And you feel that way, and you're like, how do I get through this? How do I get past this? How do I even work this out? Can, may I tell you something this morning? And, th- and this, this might be for you this morning. Like, I really think when we start to blame God, like, for, for taking away our family members, and you've probably been there, or taking away our money, or taking away our attitude, or taking away our, our, our health, taking away our success, I want to tell you this this morning, that God doesn't want to take from you. God wants to give. Or like a better way to put it, and it's there on your handout. And if you come back to the second service, I'll have slides up. But Jesus didn't come to take, but to give. Like Jesus didn't come to take from you. Like a lot of us think like this whole Jesus fella and following after Jesus. Now some of you, you've been following Jesus for years and years and years and years. And like, so you know what it means to walk richly with Jesus all this time. But like, Jesus didn't come to take, but to give. And like, we see it so beautifully in the book of John. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, I would love for you to flip with me to the book of John. John, he's living in the time of Jesus. And so I don't know, some of you have been with God for a long time. Some of you are like just trying to get reacquainted with him right now. Like something's happened and you're like, I just need to get back to Jesus and, and you know, figure my life out again. And, and by the way, I'm going to tell you what Manny told me because it, it, it was earth shattering and it was literally life changing. And I think it's going to change your life today. But, but here it is, John lived with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He studied with Jesus. And like he, so 2,000 years ago, he records a lot of stuff that we have and what's now collected into our New Testament and collected into our, our Bible. And so John writes some amazing thing, things. He chronicles there's seven statements that Jesus makes, and, and, and John records them in, the book, in his book. Uh, we call them the I am statements of Jesus. And, and usually Jesus would share these statements from like a leadership perspective or from a, from a um, political or, or somewhat pseudo-political stance. Like Jesus would say stuff like, Jesus would say things like, I am the light of the world. And like, if, and, and like if, if you walk in me or if you believe in me, if you fall after me, like you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to see, right? Or he would, Jesus would say, I'm the bread of life. And if you eat of me, like I'm the leader, if you eat of me, you'll live forever. And so Jesus said seven of these statements, but in John chapter 10, he gives you and I some hope. He answers the question, like, am I living or what is living like if you've tried to figure out and it's there on your handouts I'd love for you to check that out later and just kind of try to figure out what you think 
like three characteristics of living would look like. But Jesus, if you're trying to figure out what is living, like not existing, because there's a huge difference between living and just existing. There's a huge difference between like waking up and you brush your teeth and you get ready for work or you get ready for school and then you go to work or you go to school and you do your thing, you punch your time clock, you do your time and then you're like, oh, time to go home and then you go home and you're like, I had a long day at work so I'm just going to you know, relax for a little bit on the couch or for several hours. Maybe I'll pass out. I don't know. And then you wake up, you're like, I got to eat dinner. And then you eat dinner and then you go back to bed and then you wake up. Some of us, we do that, don't we? Bless you. Some of us, we just exist in life. We are just taking up space and we are just breathing air in life. And that's all we're doing. And yet some of you are like, well, that is me, James. How do I live? What is living? And Jesus answers this question here in John chapter 10. He, he gives you and I some hope. He answers this question and he moves us. He moves us out of this mentality of, of snatched to saved. Go on and follow along with me in John chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 7. But this morning, this message is for those of us who feel like things have been snatched from you. This is for you. For those of us who feel lifeless or empty or hollow, this is for you. And we pick up in verse 7. John chapter 10, verse 7. He says, Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. Which is a big thing. Jesus says, I'm the door of the sheep. I just want to tell you in case you forgot or in case you didn't even know, I am the door of the sheep. We are sheep, essentially, and Jesus is necessary. This door is necessary. Now, a lot of us, I I did some studying on sheep. Sheep aren't dumb. I used to think that sheep were dumb because, like, they would literally, they would follow you and walk off a cliff. We would think that they're dumb, but they're not really dumb. They're defenseless. Like sheep, when, when, when a predator comes into their fold, what they would do then is, like, they would, they would start to communicate, and they would tighten up as a pack so they could stay together because they don't know what else to do. They're defenseless. They don't, have, they don't have fists. They don't have claws. And they can't spit venom in your face. Like they're literally defenseless. These sheep can't do anything. They're not always aware of the consequences of what they do, but they gather together tightly in unity. And in the same way we are sheep, Jesus says, I assure you I am the door of the sheep. And so he's not just saying this as a blanket statement saying, oh, you know, like there's some sheep over here, like I'm, I'm for them. Jesus is saying, you're, there's some sheep right here and I'm for you. And I understand that you're defenseless and you're not dumb. You just don't know what to do and you don't know how to save yourself. You don't know how to protect yourself. A lot of time, like we as sheep, we, we don't see Jesus as necessary for survival. We see him as necessary for Sunday mornings, maybe if we're lucky, and maybe Wednesday nights if we're super lucky. But we don't see that Jesus is necessary for survival. And yet he is. Because a lot of times we get into this mindset, because I've been there, and we think, well, the grass is greener on the other side. Jesus says, I'm the door of the sheep. Like, I'm the door. Like, be in here with me. And a lot of time the sheep are like, man, that grass over there looks good. Or like that chair over there. Maybe that, you know, that job over that way. Or that relationship over here. 
or the fun stuff over here. Jesus, why are you trying to keep me away from having fun or keep me away from making more money or keep me away from having better relationships? Why are you trying to keep me? And a lot of times we as sheep, we think that. And we think that Jesus is keeping us away from things. But Jesus didn't come to take. But he came to give. One of the things that he gives when he says that I'm the door of the sheep, one of the things that Jesus gives is security. Jesus gives us security, the door of the sheep. The, the reason that there's a door for sheep, if you've ever, if maybe you have sheep, that would be great. We should talk later between services. But like, when there's a pen for the sheep and then there's a door for them, it's for security and it's for protection. It's to keep predators out and it's to keep them in. It gives us Security. Margaret Feinberg, and it's a note there on your handout, it says, when a sheep is weak and alone, it is quick to give up. And you and I are like that too, aren't we? Like when we feel weak, when we feel sick, when our mind is weak or our attitude is weak or our resolve is weak, we are quick to give up. We're like, forget Jesus. I don't have time for that. When we feel alone, when we feel isolated, when we feel like nobody likes me and everybody hates me, I guess I'll go eat worms. Long, big, slimy ones, short, fat, juicy ones. Itsy, bitsy, fuzzy, wuzzy worms. Like, we think that. We're like, you know, Jesus isn't with me. I'm not going to be. like. And so we give up, Margaret Feinberg writes. And yet Jesus says, I am the door for you. I'm here to protect you, number one. And number two, to give you some security. I'm here to keep you safe. And so if you're in there struggling right now in your life about guardrails in your life or protection or like, should I go and do this thing? It might not be the thing that I was raised to do, but it feels like the fun thing to do. I want to let you know that Jesus wants you to do the thing that you were raised to do, that Jesus wants you to come back into the fold and be protected by him. He didn't come to take, but he came to to give. Jesus is this door. And one more thing before we move on to verse 8. When I think about the door, that Jesus is the door of the sheep, not only does he give us protection and not only does he give us security in there, but he gives us community. Because now all of a sudden, like, there's a sheep with another sheep and another sheep and another person with another person. Like, and all of us are in there together as community. And there's some strength in numbers. Let's go on and look at verse 8 for a second. So Jesus continues on in verse 8. He says, he says all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but, but before we move on, he says, all who came before me are sheep, were, sheep um, were, were robbers and thieves. Jesus again didn't come to take, but others did. Like Jesus did not come to take from you. And I really want to drive that home to you this morning, that Jesus didn't come to take finances from you or fun from you or life from you. Jesus came to give. But I want to let you know that other people, other things have come into this planet, come onto this earth to take from you. That's their role. That's what they do. It's like the wolves in sheep clothing, right? You've heard of that analogy that there's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Or, or another way of putting it, things that look normal and things that look good and things that look attractive, they will steal your time, they will steal your money, they will steal your relationships, they will steal your heart. And they will leave you broken and hopeless and isolated and weak. 
And so it starts, it, like, it starts to leave you thinking. So like all of these things Jesus says came in, and it could be a good thing. It could be a good person came into your life. And you're like, why does my heart hurt when this person is gone? Why does my heart hurt when like, like say for example, you get a job and this job like pays more money. And like, you're like, why does my heart hurt now that this job's been taken from me? Or why does my heart hurt now that I've got a better paying job and like it's a few more hours or it's a few more... Th- like, why does my heart hurt? Why do I feel alone or empty when this comes? And it starts to leave you with this question, but, but you know, I, I thought that this thing was good. I thought that this person was good for me. I thought that this job was good for me. I thought this, this relationship was good for me. I thought that this mode of thinking was good for me. I thought that this, this book was good for me. And we're like, well, where did, where did my fun go? Where did my joy go? Where did my hope go, Right? And so then our next train of thought, and this is the very scary thing, and this is where wolves come in in sheep clothing, and this is where good things and attractive things start to steal things from us because we think, well, if this job is good or if this money is good or this relationship, this guy or this girl is good, well, surely they they didn't take my joy or my happiness. And so we start to think, if they didn't take my joy or happiness, then it must have been Jesus. Or we say more broadly, it must have been God. And that's when we start to get in this dangerous territory outside of the sheep's pen of of blaming God for things. And I just want to remind you this morning that Jesus didn't come to take, but to give. And so the next part of this verse, go on and look at the next part of verse 8. It says this, but the sheep didn't listen to them. And I love that part. So here it is all of a sudden, like we're, we're thinking, and maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, it was Jesus' fault. And like you blame God. You're sitting there right now and you're blaming God for something. It's already in your brain. You're like, you know, I do blame God for X. And you're blaming God for something. And yet, it's not his fault. Well, God did this. No, 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 no. It's not his fault. He didn't come to take. He didn't come to take. He came to give. And so Jesus is like, just to remind you, there are other things that look good and look attractive and look appealing, and they could be very well be very well-meaning things, and they take you away. They steal your happiness. Sheep, he says, didn't listen to them. Did you know that voice recognition is one of the simplest, most secure safety protocols out there? Like voice recognition, like if you... If, if you try to protect something, like you ever see on the TV shows, like someone goes up to this, this secret door, and instead of like doing their thumbprint or their eyeball, because those always turn out bad in spy movies, use your imagination. Like instead they use their voice recognition, they use voice print, hey, this is James. Like whenever we call to pay our mortgage, James Reardon. Like I have to say it the same way, like voice recognition. You know why? Because like your voice is unique to you. Like, no two people have the same voice because of the way your mouth is shaped, uh, or the way your jaw is shaped, the way the inside of your mouth is shaped, like how your tongue moves, like how your teeth are. Like, no two voices, especially like your vocal cords, like how they're, how they're stretched and the tension on them. Like, no two people have the same voice. And like sheep, they know that. Again, they're not dumb. Sheep know that. Like, they can recognize voices. It's kind of like with kids, and you've probably seen this with your kids before. You're out somewhere, and you can't find your kid, or you can't see your kid, or they run off, and you're like, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Chloe, come. Like, she'll listen to me, usually. 
Like, your kid will listen to you, but like, if a stranger comes up, and like, hey, kid, I don't know you. Stranger danger. And then they run away the other way. They're like, I don't know you. Like, our kids, they, you know, like they listen to us in the same way the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And so Jesus says, I am the shepherd. And these are my sheep. I have a question for you. Do you know the voice of Jesus? Are you getting fooled by things that look good? Things such as self-help books, TV preachers, stepping on toes, pithy internet sayings. Some of us, we're all about the internet and we share these pithy internet sayings and like one like is one prayer. I don't judge you when I see those, but I pray for you. Like, like when we do these things and like we're being like, we're, we're like, these are good things, James, Right. They might be good things, but they're stealing from you. They're stealing life from you. Well, James, I give my money to a TV preacher. Well, maybe that's fine, but are you giving your money here? Well, it seems like I'm, I've given my heart to this person. Like, they are a good person. Well, do they follow Jesus? Well, no, but I can get them saved. Maybe. One way to know if you're getting fooled or if you're really listening to the voice of Jesus, is to ask yourself this question, and you can go on and write this one down. Am I letting good things make me feel lifeless? Am I letting good things make me feel lifeless? You know, because Jesus didn't come to take from us, but he came to give. Let's go on and look in verse 9 for a moment. What are some things that Jesus came to give? It says, he says, I am the door. Again, he says it again. He repeats himself. I am the door. And if anyone comes or enters by me, he will be saved and he will come and go out and he'll find pasture. Jesus, what did Jesus come to give? He came to give three things. Number one, Jesus came, you see first, salvation. He came to give us salvation. He says, I, like, you will be saved if you come and enter by me. Jesus came to give us salvation. Well, questions are, and you can write the answers down in your, in your handout, saved from what? And for some of us, it's a refresher course. For some, for some of us, like we need to be reminded of, of this today, what we are being saved from. Jesus saves us from death or like being eternally separated from God. Because like, some of us, and like my daughter and I, and Mary, like we talked about it last night. There was a movie that came on Disney Channel. And it was a movie that I watched as a teenager. And we were like, you, we're not watching that today. And we had to talk about like there are some things that look good that have very terrible messages. And like, and in that particular scenario, it was, it was a movie that had other gods in it. And we're like, we're not going to watch that because there's, there's false gods in that. And that those, if people believe in false gods, if people believe in anyone besides God the Father and trust in Jesus Christ the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to be eternally separated from God forever, forever. Not like for a year, not for five years, but like forever and ever and ever. And there's no hope that it will ever end. And we will be lifeless and empty forever. I want to tell you this, and this might be something that you need to share with a family member, is that only Jesus can rescue us from the deadly reality of a dark forever. Like only Jesus can rescue us from this reality that we will be separated from God forever and ever and ever in a place of torment. Emotionally and empty and lifeless Every day. Well, why do we need that? <laughs> well, why do we need to be saved from that? Like, can't I just have my fun on this earth instead of like it always being snatched out of my hand? 
Why do we, aside from the part, which is the major reason of being eternally separated f- from God forever and ever and ever in a place of torment, like why do we need salvation? Because all have sinned. All of us have sinned. We were born that way. That's the kind of song that you could really write. I was born that way. I was born a sinner. I was born inheriting sin from Adam. All like, we all like sheep have gone astray. We've done our own things and we've chosen our own paths and we've said, I want to do my thing instead of God's thing. And there's no way that we could ever get to God because here it is, there's this God who's like, I am perfect, I am holy and everything. Like I'm set apart from everything because I'm in perfection. And when God sees imperfect or impure things, he's like, I can't have that near me. And so all of a sudden we've transgressed or we've sinned or we've broken relationship with God. And God's like, I can't be near you. You've got to be away from me forever and ever in a place of torment because that's going to be your punishment. I can't be near you. There's a penalty for doing our own thing and it needs to be rectified. It needs to be satisfied. It needs to be fixed. How did Jesus give us salvation? How did he do that? Jesus died once for all, living sinlessly as a sacrificial lamb. He took the full measure of God's penalty that was reserved for you and reserved for you and reserved for me. Jesus took the full measure of this penalty for us on himself and he bore it on the cross and then he died and he, like, he gave his life. And, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was raised from the dead three days later, defeating death, defeating Satan, defeating the evil one, the accuser, and paying God's penalty for us. You know what? The only thing, the only thing that Jesus ever snatched away from us was the penalty of sin. That's a good thing. That for you and for me, that Jesus snatched that away from us and said, I've taken care of it. I've paid it all there at the cross. It was me and me alone. I've done that. And I wrote it in red. I've done these things. Second thing that says, go back to that scripture. The second thing that it says, if you look there in verse 9, it says that we can come in and we can go out. A lot of us feel like we don't have freedom in life. Like, well, if I follow after Jesus and I really give my heart and soul to Jesus and I I really follow after him, then like my money's going to follow after him and my hopes and my dreams are going to follow after him. And then I'm going to become like a Bible thumper and it's not going to be free and I'm going to feel like I'm not free anymore. I'm going to feel constricted. No, 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 no. That's not the way it is following Jesus at all. Jesus says, I'm the door of the sheep and I've given you the opportunity to come and go out. I've given you freedom. You've got all sorts of freedom. There's all sorts of latitude as you follow after me and you follow my ways and you follow my ideals. God is not this cosmic killjoy. Instead, life in Christ is freeing. It's not limited. And the third thing he tells us that he gives us is that we'll find pasture. We will find, I, I looked at the word pasture. I'm like, okay, I should, I should understand what the word pasture is. And so I, just to make sure, I looked it up specifically to get, you this morning it says that it's 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 that your situation in your life is suitable for living like jesus said i've come to give you a situation in your life that is suitable for living not existing but truly living 
Jesus said, I've come so you could have that. How do I know this? How do I know that Jesus came to give us salvation, that he came to give us freedom, that he came to give us pasture? How do I know this? Go on and look in verse 10, and we're going to finish up here. In verse 10, Jesus didn't come to take but to give. He says, a thief comes only to steal. And and if you look at the Greek phrasing there, like that is the primary mission of the thief is to come to steal things from you. And if he can't steal it from you, he will then kill it and he will destroy it because that's what the thief's come to do. But Jesus instead, he says, I have come so they may have what? Life. And not just that you could have your best life now. Jesus came that you could have life and have it in abundance, to have it to the full, to have it uh, in surplus. Jesus came to give life, to give living to you, not just so you waste your days existing and breathing, but so you are abundantly living in life. The devil has come to steal steal life from you. And when the devil comes and he steals life from you and he steals joy from you and he steals happiness from you, he leaves you uh, motionless and empty and then he moves on to somebody else because now he's wasted his time with you. He's done what he needed to do, but yet Jesus said that he came so that he could give you life, to give it to you abundantly, to give you more than just breathing, but to truly, truly live and do something extraordinary with your life. I'll never forget what Manny said to me. And I even called him up the other day, and I said, hey, Manny, do you remember 15, 16 years ago when you told me? He's like, yeah, James, I do. See, like what he told his grandpa, his grandpa, again, he had lived an extraordinary life. He lived a full life. And then his health was snatched away from him, and so his life went into shambles. And so Manny told his grandpa, and, th- and then essentially he told me, he said, Grandpa, he's like, James, you need to get back to your faith. And you need to get back to Jesus. Because it's in Jesus that you find life. And like when I heard him say that, like things changed for me the rest of my life. I need to get back to Jesus. And some of you are sitting in here this morning And you're feeling like life has been snatched away from you. And you feel like your joy has been snatched away from you. You you, you feel like like you're just existing and going through the motions of life. And you're trying to get it all together. And you I just can't ever catch a break. And you feel like that's you. And yet Jesus is like, I'm I'm the door of the sheep. All you got to do is come in by me, enter by me, and you'll have salvation, and you'll have freedom, you'll have pasture. I didn't come to take things from you, but I came to give them to you. And yet some of us in here this morning, we feel like that. And that's you. And for some of us, that's me. And yet Jesus says, will you follow me today? Will you pray with me?